Welcome to the Return to India podcast, everyone. Today we have with us uh, Mr. Sudhir Bandaru from Hyderabad. Sudhir is the CTO at Shortlist, a startup in Hyderabad which is into recruiting solutions. He has a history of working across multiple domains and product-based companies of all sizes for over a decade in the US and India. He recently returned to India and is part of our Return to India community, helping folks return back to India, especially entrepreneurs. Let's talk to him about his journey of returning back uh, and what we can learn from it. Thanks, Subhil, for joining us and welcome to the show. My pleasure, Mani. First off, uh, congratulations on being nominated among India's 100 Great People Managers by Forbes India. Thank you. <laughs> great. Uh, we'll start with some basics and uh, we'll talk about your journey and basically the idea is uh, uh, what we can learn from your whole uh, being in the U.S. and turning back journey. So Sudhir, uh, when, did you, when did you return back to India? Uh, it's almost uh, two years. Uh, I returned in 2017, August. Okay. Okay. And how long uh, were you in the U.S. and what were you doing there? So I initially went to U.S. for uh, my master's in 2002 and was there for like 15 years. And uh, I, after my master's, I had all of my career in various uh, cities in U.S. and states in U.S. So uh, you did your schooling in India and growing up in India, I believe, isn't it? Yes, uh, I did my schooling here in India and then my bachelor's in India and only went there for my master's in 2002. Okay. What was your idea about U.S. before moving in? Because, you know, we all uh, lived in the 90s and there was this yeah. big aspiration about moving to the U.S. And, uh, you know, you are kind of a rebel now moving back. I think most of us. So, you know, I'd like to see what was that context before moving out? You know, what were your aspirations? What were your thoughts? And uh, what were you looking forward to? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, U.S. was more like, you know, what I was watching in movies, English movies and thinking uh, U.S. is like that uh, everywhere. And uh, I felt like that was living the dream. And most importantly, uh, after my bachelor's, I had only two options. Either clear my gate exam and get a 10K to 15K salary a month or uh, go to U.S., do your master's and like maybe make 10 to 20 times the salary. So it was going to U.S. was most treated like a success. I don't think it was much of an option, really. Uh, definitely, it felt like exciting to go there, uh, hearing the stories from uh, family and friends and watching in movies. But uh, going to US also was very hard for me. I'm the only child to my parents. I, I never really was so much worried about going to US, uh, but it was a very big sacrifice on my parents' end, which I'm only understanding as I became a parent of two children. How did it feel once you moved in? I'm sure it was a lot of excitement and everything, but then, you know, what happened there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The first few days was a lot of excitement and uh, there was some fear, anxiety, uh, because you have to live in a new place with uh, not, not a single person whom I, exact, uh, I knew before. Once I got settled into my apartment with some of the friends who moved in from Hyderabad, then it kind of felt better. And then like, you know, we kind of the fear and anxiety were slowly going away as I got into start, starting my classes in the college, university and all of those things. But eventually then I had to find my job to pay for my next semester onwards. I took the fee for my first semester. Of course, my dad was ready to pay for the upcoming semesters, but I think it was more like a success thing. And like, yeah, I can do it. I want to pay it myself. I wanted to take care of myself now. Uh, my dad uh, spent until now. So finding the job, like you now getting into this uh, mindset of doing these odd jobs was very difficult. But then everybody else was doing it. And it was like kind of normal eventually. 
once I found a job, then got into the classes at my university and all of those things, then it was time to share the happiness with family uh, by taking pictures and uh, sharing it to them. It was not so much of a digital age, right? You have to take the prints and then send it to them by mail. And they used to be happy and <laughs> and uh, talking to them was like a hell of a, a pain because like it used to be like the calling cards were very expensive. Uh, it used to be like 20 minutes for $5, which was a lot, which is the money I used to make in one hour, earning in one hour. So it was very hard. And definitely I'm like, you no, know, the most people in my room were like homesick because that was the first time they were moving away from family. But luckily, as I said, uh, I was uh, brought up in a boarding school from the age of seven for lack of better education in my uh, city and uh, so that homesickness was not real for me which was a better part but otherwise I'm like I definitely learned a lot uh, about like you know, being independent and uh, understanding the value for money because I started earning to pay for my fees it was great obviously things have changed a lot uh, now and it's a lot more easier but um, you know were there any particular struggles for you uh, like for example blending in uh, culturally and otherwise uh, being there yeah, a lot of uh, cultural and uh, accent issues, language issues. Do I'm like, you know, we all speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to find out the homemade food or like something closer mm-hmm. to homemade food. <laughs> Going into a store and asking for tortilla instead of tortilla <laughs> uh, <laughs> was very fun. And tra- driving like uh, 100 kilometers just to drink a favorite Indian chai was memorable so struggles were there mainly missing the home food like no missing that uh, homeliness around definitely blending with some of the cultural aspects of the uh, university Uh, all of those things were a little tough as i said even getting into these odd jobs uh, i used to do pizza delivery for a few days so it was difficult trying to get into it but then i said like yeah let me do it and then people were treating pizza delivery as a very successful job because you have a car because you can do pizza delivery <laughs> <laughs> interesting interesting and you you work with uh, a lot of companies there uh, very interesting ones um, how, how was the how was the work culture um, I, I see that you've uh, you know grown a lot there while being in the us and what is your opinion about uh, the tech culture there or the work culture basically yes yeah, I was in uh, uh, all of the big companies in the beginning. I'm like, I was at AT&T, I was uh, at the Hewlett Packard, I was at Merrill Lynch, uh, which was acquired by Bank of America. I was through the recession, 2008, subprime mortgage recession, all of those things. From the culture perspective, I started my career in US. So I never really had a taste of the culture in work culture in India in the first place. Although I've been hearing a lot of stories from people who have been coming from Infosys and Accenture, to US and I've been uh, hearing some of their stories, but I never experienced the culture myself firsthand. Uh, coming to the tech culture, I, uh, big companies, the culture is very different, very corporate-ish, very relaxed. Uh, mostly, most companies are very kind of, uh, hard to say this, but like you know, big companies, it varies by teams, but it's a very uh, comfortable, uh, laid-back culture, even in tech, especially given the kind of roles that we got to work, given our immigration status. I don't know, probably it was because of the immigration status and not having a full-time job. The kind of work we were doing was not really satisfactory at big companies. That is when I moved to a smaller company, a startup in uh, Bay Area, uh, closer to San Francisco. And that is where the work culture, I got to set the culture there because I was the first engineer at that startup again (laughs) in the office. So I got to set up the culture. It was amazing working with like a lot of uh, smart people. 
uh, both in technology and outside technology, met a lot of uh, amazing people, uh, made great friends. And my CEO, Matt Schnuck, uh, was like, uh, he bootstrapped his uh, own business that was a startup. Mm-hmm. And the same CEO is the CEO and co- uh, is the current co-founder of Shortlist. That is how I got into Shortlist. Got it. Got it. So you you, you had that uh, spark of entrepreneurship in you, I guess, because you you felt more comfortable working in a you know a small establishment, uh, unlike in a big company, and you know making an impact for yourself, isn't it? Exactly. A bigger company, it was hard to see the impact of my work, uh, which is why I shifted to a smaller company. Again, this was like a huge risk because I transferred my hedge fund to a startup where I was the first in the startup. So I felt like I have to move on, uh, irrespective of my immigration status, to really enjoy my work. So culture-wise, it's uh, very different depending on the company and the kind of location. But overall, it's not like overly what to say, uh, not so much of a pressure cooker environment, I would say, <laughs> in big companies. And uh, in small companies, there are some startups uh, where you have that kind of environment. But uh, I was fortunate enough to be in a place where I got to set the culture without that overburden. Got it. Got it. So let me ask you the, the most important question. Uh, when did you start thinking about returning? And you know, what was, a, what was the trigger behind it, if at all there was one? Yeah, uh, good question. I always told my family and friends that I'm always going to return to India, but I never told when. I always said like a few years. And then when I bought my home in US, uh, people were like, hey, you said you're going to go back to India. Why are you buying a home? I said, but I never said when. <laughs> so I was, I was living in US as if I was going to settle there forever. I never planned myself that as if I'm going to move after that certain date or something. Uh, I got married, I had two children, I bought my home and everything. Uh, but I always used to tell, yeah, I'm coming to India sometime soon. I'm coming to India sometime soon. Uh, what triggered was mainly my job. So when I first knew about this job, it was mainly about uh, helping companies in India and Kenya. So I said, yeah, this is something associated with India. Let me uh, think more about it. And it was the same CEO mm-hmm. of my old startup, who is also the uh, co-founder of this startup. I said, like, no, I like the person. I enjoyed working with him. I would like to work with him. And then definitely it's something in India. I thought I'll have an opportunity to make uh, multiple trips to India with this company. Then we started building the team in Hyderabad and everything. And then it felt like my American co-founders, they moved to India. I think because the team was growing big and they had moved from Washington, D.C. Bay Area to India. And they were saying, like, when are you going to move, Surya? Uh, we are in your country. you got to be closer to the team. And uh, I said, okay, and then I, may, uh, it was a very, very, very tough choice. Uh, it wouldn't be as easy what I was telling, right, what I'm telling right now. Mm-hmm. The biggest choice was like, no, I had, a, uh, I kind of got into a very comfortable zone in the US mm-hmm. with my green card. I crossed all my immigration hurdles, uh, green card, got my green card, got my citizenship, okay. very com- comfortable in every way, been in Bay Area for 10 years, 10 plus years. So you kind of uh, get used to it so well. And my daughter was going to school there for two years. So it was very hard for me to say to move back. But I said, like, if not, now when? That was the biggest uh, question I asked myself. If not, uh, I'll tell, uh, many people like, you know, they try to move to India when the parents are aging and uh, mm-hmm. when there is a need for them to move to India. Mm-hmm. But what I realized myself is when there is a need, you are actually taking care of them. You're not actually spending time with them. You're not hanging out with them. So that was the biggest thing. I said, like, man, if this is a trigger, this is a good trigger. This is not a bad trigger, right? This is a good <laughs> trigger. Let, let me take care of uh, this opportunity and like, no, really make this move. And my kids are too small. I have to make it. And that was the biggest trigger. And my company really supported me a lot in many ways uh, during the transition. 
That's that's awesome. I think you were more fortunate than many others who are trying to move back because one of the biggest blocks for them is to find a job when they're moving back to India. So I think you had that sort of out initially. So you know that that's a good thing in in one way, I guess. Yeah, couldn't ask for more. Uh, I totally agree with that. Great. So how did the the preparation happen? As in uh, you know the tactical side of things. You know you you mentioned uh, you had your citizenship, your green card, and everything sorted out. You had your house. So, you know, leaving all of that, how did that preparation start off? Uh, how was that process? Yeah. Uh, so the biggest uh, part of my move was about the house, which I need to sell. It was a big debate between uh, if I want to sell it or keep it, because uh, I was more thinking of coming to India as an expat. But at the same time, that was exact time, like when the elections were happening and there was so much talk around, like uh, the house prices are like high and they're going to go down. Trump is going to come uh, and like the house, house market is going to collapse. All of these things, like uh, so many rumors, so many discussions, right? I said like, no, let me keep it very certain. I don't want to be very uncertain about uh, this big asset. And I said like, no, first thing I sold my home and uh, moved to a rental home and then eventually planned my transition. After once I sold my home, I got everything cleared up, uh, whatever I don't want. And then once I was in a rental home, it was a lot easier for the transition. Everything else, I'm like, we think I'm like, you know, we have a lot of stuff, uh, belongings, and we always, I, I originally got scared. But mm-hmm. once I started doing it, it was a very easy choice. Either you throw it away, you either you sell it, or you bring it to India. That's it. Correct. You only have three choices. Three buckets. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, bigger stuff. Uh, put, I put everything on Craigslist. Just one opened uh, everything on Craigslist. And only over the weekend, I didn't even do a garage sale take whatever it is and then like everything else i just like uh, dropped it at a donation place so it was either one weekend of uh, clean, uh, cleaning the whole house uh, i sold the cars like two weeks before moving to india and uh, i borrowed my friend's car for the last two weeks of my day so once i got uh, and my lease was expiring was aligned with my uh, flight dates and everything oh great <laughs> looks like the yeah. universe was conspiring for you um, <laughs> because I sold my home, I, that's how I took the lease. So I originally uh-huh. talked to my landlord accordingly to say like, no, hey, I'm going to stay here for so many days. And like, I gave him like too much notice saying that like, no, I'm uh, vacating on so-and-so date. So kind of aligned things because of that advance notice. That is where I said like my company really gave me enough time to transition properly. Got it. Got it. And did you sell your car uh, to through a third-party seller or through CarMax or someone like that? No, uh, everywhere I'm like, I tested it because I had time. I uh, shopped around. It was, uh, nothing was a better option than selling it on Craigslist or selling it myself. Kind of. I, through, I think it was, I, I, yeah, I think I sold both of my cars on Craigslist. Uh, selling the Mercedes was uh, tough uh, because you have very less people coming for it. Selling an Odyssey was like one day thing. Uh, selling a Mercedes was like a one week thing. <laughs> understood understood um, and just because a lot of people ask this particular question in the groups and community uh, what did you do with your tv did you ship it back or do you recommend people bringing it back to india or selling it off um, uh, technology is changing at a very faster pace than we think uh, so there's no point in bringing an old tv to india so i sold my tv there for like probably one tenth of the cost what i bought for and i bought a brand new tv and shipped it to india okay Okay, that makes sense. Along the way, I also bought one for my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Great. 
yeah, I don't know what to say, but uh, every every other week there's someone who comes in asking what to do with their TV, should they go back to India? So, you know, this is always a never-ending question, sort of, which is why I decided to ask it. So that uh, that's good. But coming back to India, how was your experience? You were away for so long time, things would have changed. Uh, what was your initial, uh, initial reaction uh, when you came back to India? Yeah. So anytime, every time I used to come to India, I used to be like a guest staying at my parents' place, but uh, I never used to carry my own phone. I never used to drive myself, uh, pampered all the way, always had a lot of uh, help around all of those mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we used to stay in the, <clears throat> uh, my, my parents' place is like with on the other side of the city in Hyderabad uh, compared to like where uh, I am right now, which is Gachibauli high tech city area where you have a lot of software companies. So whatever I've seen, the culture and world at my parents' place is very, very different than what it is actually here in the high-tech city area. That is one thing. And second, once I started to get independent myself by learning to drive, because I didn't drive for 15 years in India, uh, so my parents never used to allow me to drive, but uh, now we have automatic cars here. So it was easy to take the car and like you know, drive around for a couple of hours and then comfortable. So once I started driving myself and having my own cell phone and having my own currency and every credit cards and everything, mm-hmm. it was like a breeze. The first 15 days, I was all up and running. We moved into our apartment. We joined our kids in the school within the first one month. We were all up and running with everything, like maids coming in, services, all uh, scheduled, uh, all of those things. So the culture is very, very different than at parents' place versus the place where uh, I live. When I say I live, it's like more of the uh, community around like, you know, expats uh, return to India, people, a lot of them coming from many countries in the community and the kind of uh, software IT culture. Okay. So culture is uh, amazing. And it was a surprise to me that like um, the level of maturity we have in terms of culture, cleanliness, uh, access to okay. services and uh, uh, luxuries. How was, how was driving in India for the first time? Was it scary or... Was <laughs> it was um, I, I was excited that I could drive that now that we have automatic cars, uh, but it was equally scary. And to my bad luck, I got because I don't know the directions here in the new area. I got into a place where there was a vegetable market going on. I, there was no way for me to go forward or go backward. <laughs> and when I asked my wife to see if uh, any other cars are coming, she was like she was scared to see the traffic. Even <laughs> <laughs> to see the traffic and give me directions to say if I can move a little back or something. So it was super scary on the day one. So I saw the worst on that day, and then everything else was easy. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Like you uh, say, if you can drive in India, you can drive anywhere in the world. Anywhere. So even within India, I drove, I drove in the worst place possible traffic with narrow roads with a lot of vegetable market like a lot of uh, two wheelers going on both the sides and like uh, uh, getting used to the 15 years of uh, driving in US looking over the shoulder waiting turning on the indicator nothing works <laughs> <laughs> it's all based on induction isn't it exactly right um, so that was tough on the first one two days and then I eventually got used to it Got it, got it. You mentioned you have kids and uh, uh, you mentioned you were uh, looking for schools and everything. How was that process? Uh, did you have any preferences or were there things that you had to take care of? Um, I mean, I'm asking this because this, this is also one of the things that uh, many people in the community would be interested to know about. Mostly people are looking for like international schools so that the transition is smoother for the kids because uh, the assumption is that yeah. the curriculum is pretty much similar or at least closer to what it is in the US. And I know there are problems like uh, new languages that is to be learned and things like that. Uh, what was your experience there? 
uh, for me, the school search process was very straightforward because one, I know where my company is and where my job is. So I know the office. And uh, based on the office, my first primary criteria was to have the least commute possible, both for me and my kids. So commute was a very big, big, big thing. And we didn't want to put them into buses, uh, school buses. We wanted to drive them ourselves. Uh, so commute was the biggest criteria. And the second uh, most important thing is the syllabus. So IB syllabus is something that we nailed down, uh, saying that like this is the culture, this is the curriculum we want our kids to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that like it's uh, we could always move back and kind of get adjusted to this uh, syllabus even if we have to move back to us so uh, the syllabus and the proximity to home were very important and given all of those criteria we nailed down on Oak Ridge International School which is IB syllabus and which is in the center of the city and it's like 15 years of uh, experience um, got a lot of positive feedback from uh, people I know and uh, it was easy yeah okay did they did they have to learn new languages once they moved in as in the kids uh, not really because uh, uh, one thing what we did differently for our kids than uh, most of our friends is uh, we never taught them english as their first uh, so we only taught them telugu which is our native mm-hmm. language first mm-hmm. and then we taught them english uh, as they got into the preschools and daycares day so because they already knew telugu and they know english uh, it was a lot easy for them to adjust in terms of language Got it. Got it. That's good to know. So you, you, you're now in India, you've settled in. Uh, what changes have you seen in India from, you know, back 15 years when you left and uh, how it is right now? Do you, do you see areas of improvement or uh, concerns? What was your impression after settling in? Yeah. First of all, uh, at least in Hyderabad, we only had Hyderabad and Sikhindrabad when I went to U.S., and when I returned from US, we have another Cyberabad, <laughs> 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 which is uh, completely a new place altogether. Uh, but Cyberabad, as the name speaks to itself, is a place where you have all of these IT companies and all of the IT culture, and uh, where you have Google, Amazon, Facebook, you name it, everybody is here. So right. the big changes are the kind of culture, the kind of educated people around you. Not people previously, most of the people were like in businesses, less than uh, companies. So then the big switch was about uh, how many educated employees and how many uh, opportunities you have as a, a software engineer or for that matter in any area. So the opportunities were like huge. Like I said, when I went to US, it was either gate exam uh, and get a 10,000 10, job or go to the US. Now it's not that case. That's not the case anymore. You have like plenty of opportunities and the companies in India have been flooded with funding from abroad. And now their only challenge is to keep the talent uh, from going abroad. The salaries are like uh, amazing for the right people, right talent. Salary is no bar uh, for the right talent anymore in India. And uh, what I'm seeing from Bangalore is like even actually it's kind of scary in some places as an employer, uh, happy as a candidate. Uh, you get like uh, amazing salaries, packages, like uh, mind blowing for the right. So it's huge opportunities, huge adaptation of uh, internet uh, digitization. And uh, there's uh, because like now with internet, people are able to, it was uh, 15 years ago, it was hard to have a cell phone. And now every auto driver and rickshaw driver has a cell phone with internet on it and who's able to manage his app and his business on the phone. So that's a huge uh, development in digitization. And the third one is urbanization, right? Urbanization, like all of the 
apartments and communities are amazing which were not there before you have all of the swimming pool classes we used to travel drive so many miles for every class you have to mm-hmm. drive like 8 km 8 miles for a swimming class and then like another 9 miles or 10 miles for a dance class in us mm-hmm. and then you have to run my wife used to run between classes for both my kids in us here we just uh, take the lift elevator and like go downstairs <laughs> you have all your classes for both the kids it's like amazing uh, the quality of life we are spending here in india is like amazing because of two reasons one you don't have to be running around classes uh, all of them happen at your doorsteps in the same community two uh, we used to have like a 20 days uh, holidays and like most companies have like 20 days of uh, personal leave and uh, we used to always save those 20 days for coming to india because uh, now right. the 20 days is something you can use for vacations uh, right, right. Four, four times a year <laughs> so, <laughs> all of the india that i missed uh, seeing um, uh, or like i wanted to show to my kids i'm able to go to all of those places and like uh, we are enjoying those vacations like uh, right. yeah four times a year five days uh, vacation is amazing which i never got that's in us awesome. that's awesome that's awesome um so we i also see that you are a big advocate of entrepreneurship and uh, you um, you're pretty much active in that area uh, specifically in hyderabad uh, you know being a place where there's a lot of um, activity so do you think it's a good place or good time in india uh, for people to come in and invest and start their own businesses uh, do you know anyone who's who's done it what is your advice to people who are thinking of entrepreneurship because we have a a group as well and there's a lot of questions people ask there about you know what is the right way to invest what is the right way to get starting up um what what would be your answer to that first of all in terms of opportunities as i said just about the job opportunities startup opportunities are like uh, amazing in india mm-hmm. if you see from the news and like indian india is driving towards like increasing the number of startups and building a better ecosystem around startups if you see narendra modi or if you see uh, hyderabad and telangana uh, with t hub lot of incubators many states not just telangana right many states are having their own accelerators incubators startup uh, programs <clears throat> all of these things are happening at a pace that it's not, it never happened in india before and uh, talking about somebody in us coming and starting in india i would say it takes like at least 3 to 6 months if not 6 to 12 months to understand the culture in india mm-hmm. but the opportunities are there because we have like ton of problems to solve right, right so right. problems are opportunities for startups so that's a check right Now, money yes you are you you have you you been living in us for so many years you probably made enough money bootstrapping you're good or you have a great network of investors amazing right that's a check so you right. have a problem you have a money and then you have talent too uh, talent is like uh, not everybody can go to us you only have limited number of people who can go to us right? every year right. in the quota right. so you you do have access to talent you do have access to money you have a problem to solve the only thing that you need to have is a passion and drive and understanding the problem and building a solution for india we cannot bring in solutions from us and make it work for india you got to build the solution that works for india if you see for example the difference between paypal versus atm right PayPal is very different, and the way the credit card machines work in US is very different. But uh, if you have to make it work for uh, street vendors, Paytm is the answer. Right. Right. So even if, so, uh, everything, uh, fintech to agritech to HR tech, everything is changing. Everybody is embracing technology. The you have like seven hundred plus million users, internet right. users in India. So there is like lot of opportunity, lot of uh, talent. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. that like you no know, we cannot be very far away from the ground and say that like no i don't know if this is going to work or not i would encourage people to be on the ground do their problem 
analysis and then come up with the solutions that make sense to this uh, uh, audience. Got it. That makes total sense. Uh, so we're getting towards the last part of the interview, but um, uh, just a little bit of context if you can provide about Shortlist, your startup. Um, I believe uh, it's an HR solutions startup and uh, you have the market is India and East Africa. Uh, can you give me a little bit more um, context about what is it that you do? Shortlist is uh, helping companies hire people. The biggest difference is, I mean, like you can say it's a recruitment solutions. Uh, the biggest difference with Shortlist than the traditional recruiting models is that the traditional models always relied on your CV or a resume, which mm -hmm. only told, uh, which only tells like what you have done. It doesn't tell what you are capable of doing, what is your potential. So Shortlist is a way of about show, giving an opportunity to a candidate to showcase their skills, show their potential over pedigree, because most of the traditional hiring methods have been about uh, pedigrees or the companies that you kind of work for. But no, very few people actually fall into that category. How do you find the diamond in, in all of the rest of the uh, mine, right? So we've been serving both India and Africa for the last three plus years, uh, but like we have over 500 clients uh, so far in 15 countries, do, although majority of them are in India and Kenya. Uh, we have office in uh, Hyderabad where you have uh, all of the tech team, uh, which I manage, and then we have an office in Bombay and we have office in Nairobi, Kenya. Great, so I'll end this interview with the last question, which is if I were to ask you, what are the three things uh, that you will advice new people who are actually in the US planning to return maybe soon or maybe the next year or maybe the year after that if you could tell them three things to prepare and make the transition smooth what would it be my experience has been uh, thinking has been tough actually doing it is what was a lot easier so don't be afraid and uh, don't be thinking too much about like how the transition is going to happen if you have decided to move I would say move on immediately. It doesn't help to marinate for a longer time uh, thinking about the move and like over planning or something because things change very differently when you are there versus when you are on the ground here in India. So that is the first thing. Second, there will be some transition and uh, everybody's situations could be different. Uh, what works for me may not work for you or vice versa. So I, I would say do not listen to people in terms of the problems. Think about like, you know, listen to the problems and do not be afraid of those problems. Rather, I would look at the problems and say, how can I solve them? When I came to India, everybody said like, traffic is a disaster. You get stuck for hours. And I said, okay, fine. I'm going to come here. I'm going to plan my home and school and office accordingly. And I've never stuck in traffic in, on my regular days. Definitely on an occasional day or a weekend. So if I'm going to different places, it's fine. But on, uh, on my regular commute days, that's not a problem, right? So... I would uh, take these problems and rather than being scared about them, rather plan about them. Third one, people, uh, uh, furniture, right? Uh, a lot of people are trying, I see a lot of people carrying furniture from US to India. What I see as the biggest challenge was about more about like, if you're renting a home in India, you don't know if your furniture is going to fit in, first of all. And most of these homes are uh, furnished, pre-furnished, which means like they don't allow your new furniture here. So it was very easy for me to get rid of all of the furniture in US and move into a well-furnished apartment in the beginning before you actually move into your own home or like start to buy your own furniture. Because what, uh, what we like there can uh, hardly fit into the place. I know we have a lot of bonding with these things, but, uh, and we have some appreciation for the items that we purchased in US. But trust me, there are like a lot more of, uh, options and a lot of uh, great quality stuff 
even in India that you are going to love it. So do not get attached to the items because we are moving to India for uh, people and love and less about items. And uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot of options here in India uh, after you move. Got it. That's, that's absolutely well said. Don't over plan, find solutions. And the third one was don't get attached to things, start everything new. You have a lot of options here in India. Don't have to bring your TV. <laughs> you can get better ones, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Awesome. This was an uh, absolute pleasure for me talking to you, Sudhir. Thanks for making out uh, uh, this time and spending time with us, sharing all your experiences. I'm sure a lot of people will find this interesting and uh, uh, find it useful. How can we reach you if at all someone has a question uh, that uh, you can answer? Yeah. Uh, likewise, Mani, first of all, thank you for uh, arranging this podcast and uh, let me appreciate you for all of the great things you're doing to help uh, returning Indians and how close you're getting to each and everybody in helping. I totally admire and uh, I'm fascinated how much time you have to do all of these things in addition to your full-time job. Huge kudos there. On uh, people reaching out to me, I am on the Return to India WhatsApp group. People could uh, ping me on my uh, WhatsApp number, 9505-898-958. Awesome. Great. Again, thanks, uh, Sudhir. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for all the, all the wisdom you shared with us. Thank you, Mani. Very nice talking to you.